I don't believe that a musical idea starts in your brain. I believe it starts at a place before that that we don't have any direct contact with. Contact with. music is a work in progress i'm just uh i'm just trying to get a vibe and little things little sound clips and that's john frusciante talking about music here it's a good way to open up this podcast which is matt guerra's music experience welcome thank you for listening to this thank you for watching this live on youtube Thank you for subscribing to this, if you do so. Uh, so let's get into Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood, Sugar, Sex, Magic, the classic. So here we go. Doing right now, Blood, Sugar, Sex, Magic, the Chili Peppers. Uh, God, it's just giving me a certain feeling, you know, each, each of their albums give me different feelings. And this one was like pretty much super bucked up. Like feeling uh, super bucked up most of the time. I mean, it's old now, dude. I mean, I've, I remember where I was when I first heard Under the Bridge, which, uh, you know, we were on our way to, to vacation with my family. My sister and I and uh her friend who was my first girlfriend were in the back seat on the way to biloxi listening in a cassette player with a cassette tape on b97 and they played you know this is a new song by the red hot chili peppers under the bridge and i was like oh man it it just blew me away back then but uh so this album is you know, I don't know. People, uh, you have different, like within the Chili Pepper fan world, there, there's different, um, there's different kind of schools of thought and differences of opinion as to, you know, the reason that certain Chili Pepper fans love them. You have like your hardcore old school funk chili peppers who love when they they do that like the stone cold funk punk shit that they're named for i mean that they're known for but one of the dynamics that i've always loved about them was that they had this beautiful melodic side you know they could do both of them and uh 
So yeah, they, you had those two different worlds inside of uh, in the Chili Peppers camps, as far as fans go. But I, I don't know, man. I heard that that song. I heard "Under the Bridge," and I just remember that like it was a beautiful moment in my life. You know, like there's powerful shit that happens sometimes if you're paying attention for it. And uh, and I you know I was paying attention. We were all were. We were we were huddled around this this uh, this boombox, and we were recording it because we knew the band, and we somebody was talking, like we heard shit by rumors back then. So somebody was talking about you know this new song by the Chili Peppers, and we're like, here it is. So everybody was like, be you know we were quiet. We were just listening. And uh, respecting the uh, the actual art of it, and uh, God, it was such a beautiful song. But this album is, uh, you know, it's a couple of really interesting things about about the album. It was, uh, well, it was John Frusciante's second album with them. He uh, he did Blood Sugar. I mean, he did uh, Mother's Milk. And uh, in 88, 89, then he did this album in, um, what, 90? Let's see. Blood Sugar, Sex Magic is the fifth studio album by American Rock Band Chili Peppers, released on September 24th, 1991. So he did the Mother's Milk album. Like, he just jumped right in there. Hello, Slovak died. The story of John Frusciante is kind of crazy, man. It was like... He was a huge fan of the uh, the the Chili Peppers. Like it was his favorite band, so he was going out to the local clubs because he lived in Los Angeles, and he he was a hardcore music fanatic, and he loved seeing the band like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It was Hillel Slovak, the original guitarist, Flea, Anthony Kiedis, and Jack Irons back then, and it was his favorite band. Um, not long after that, like within a year, Hello Slovak overdoses. Uh, Flea hears about this this kid named John Frusciante, who's just a, a phenom guitar player, and uh, and he was 18 years old, and he tried out for the Chili Peppers, and he was going to try out for Frank Zappa's band, but you know he said he looked in the window. And he saw that the way Frank Zappa was treating all of the people that worked with him, like even the band and shit, like he was bossing people around, just being a real dick. So he was like, the vibe didn't feel right. And so, uh, you know, so he didn't he didn't try out with uh, with Frank Zappa's band, but he he tried out for the Chili Peppers. And originally they 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 didn't give it to him because they had uh dh pellegro who who was sitting in at that time and they had just recently hired him and this 18 year old phenom who like flea knew a little bit already flea's like you know you gotta come you gotta come play play with us you gotta play for the band or whatever and they had this amazing jam session but uh long story short he he got the job and uh this was his second album with them, and he really developed his own style. The first one he was following, Hello Slovak. So 
that I, I imagine that's that's a weird dynamic. Well, I mean, I actually know on a much sc- uh, smaller scale that that's a tough dynamic when you're you're playing someone else's. Um, like if you're a guitarist, and this happened with me. Not that I, you know, really consider myself a guitarist, but I played with uh, Michael Laiuza and Cafe Olay and Andrew Davis, the original guitarist, was uh, like he was only able to practice like twice a month or something like that. So I was like the backup guitarist that had to play his shit when he wasn't there. And uh, he was, it's just different. You have to have a, a, you have to come from that person's mind. You have to have their, their pedals, you know, not, not necessarily have to, but like you have to have their sound and so that's what happened with with uh, Mother's Milk. John, part of it at least, he was trying to uh, replicate Hillel Slovak's sound. But um, I'll read some of the uh, the actual. And there's a really cool ass documentary on uh, on the recording of this album, Blood Sugar Sex Ma- Magic. The name of the documentary is called Funky Monks. And it was shot by a friend of theirs, and it's all black and white. And it, they recorded the uh, they recorded the album in this haunted mansion that was uh, yeah. It's like one of those Led Zeppelin stories. They recorded. They were able to, to uh, afford the whatever they wanted, and so they they got Rick Rubin to produce it. And he just had recently bought this uh, this mansion in the L.A. Hills, or what is it? Uh, well, I don't know, the hills of, of California, of L.A. And um, and so what they did was they built a studio around the house. So you had like Anthony Kiedis recording vocals on the third floor, like in a, in a uh, loft. Then you had, you know... There's, you know, Chad and John and Flea, like on the second floor, all playing together, you know, like live in real time. It didn't seem like there was a whole lot of overdubs, but John just, uh, I mean, like John Frusciante just took off. The band took off, I mean, literally. So, um... Okay, it was the band's first record released on Warner Brothers record. The musical styles of Blood Sugar Sex Magic differed notably from the techniques employed in the Chili Peppers' preceding album, Mother's Milk, and returned little use of heavy of heavy metal guitars, which John Frusciante was doing a little bit to emulate Hello Slovak. Um, the album's Subject matter incorporated sexual innuendos and references to drugs and death, as well as themes of lust and exuberance. And that's another thing about this album. If you actually listen to the the music of it, like, you know, like the way I do these shows, like I literally just listen to this album, even though I heard it a hundred times or whatever in my life. Like I listen to it, I put on headphones and actually... um and listen to it, and uh, I kind of take it really seriously, and so I, I just try to uh, to be open minded to see how I really feel about these albums and what sticks out about it. 
And like, yeah, there was some sexual innuendos, but the music matched it. Like, it was crazy, man. On songs like, um, let's see, like the song that I opened up with, man, the 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 song Blood Sugar Sex Magic, it's it's nuts. It's um, but it's not like just talking about whatever kind of weird sexual thing it is, but you feel it in in the music you know like let's see if i could do this if you can hear this i mean it's a sexy ass song the whole vibe of it it's a laid-back beat it's just really cool wah-wah effect And uh, Flea's bass is is actually tuned down half a step. And uh, it's pretty genius. This is 1991. I hope y'all can even hear that. I don't know. Double times it chorus. A new guitar riff. The bass matches it. But it's just badass. It's just Like the the sexual the sexual in a lot of songs the sexuality of the music matched the sexual innuendos and uh, it's it's also classic in that way I think maybe it is a, literally a, a classic at this point is if it's twenty five years old it came it came out in uh, September twenty fourth nineteen ninety one. 01, 11, that's 28, yeah, so it's a classic, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, um, I like the way the, um, this is when they first started with their uh, producer, well, it's their second album with Rick Rubin as the producer, but Rick Rubin has a, uh, <clears throat> an engineer, I mean, generally how it works, let's see if I could sum it up easily, um, is the, the producer comes in like with rock bands and he's in charge of everything musical the, the sound and just the he, he needs to take the band's idea and, and tighten it up and, and make it a thing it's it's an art within itself but so he usually has a guy a technical guy called the engineer who uh who takes care of Okay, we need this mic in the bathroom on the third floor. We need John's guitar coming in right here next to to Flea's bass rig. And so he figures out all the, the routing and the best way to do it, the best way to capture the sound together. So, and this is kind of like the one of the first albums when uh, Brendan O'Brien 
kind of broke it out as an as an engineer because after this he started producing all the Pearl Jam shit I think and just some other really big bands so it, it was a breakout album for him but uh let's see let me go through the songs because I, I can easily get carried away and like I said this is part of the the Chili Pepper series that I'm doing I've already done um the the first one I did was Californication. Uh, last week I did By the Way, which is actually my favorite Chili Pepper album. So, but but I love them all for different reasons, and uh, you know I'd have to imagine that's kind of the same deal with parents and their kids. They 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 love them all, but you know for different reasons. I don't know. I don't know shit. I don't know how that works, but um. Sorry, I got carried away with that. But yeah, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, it's probably, I don't know. It, it's an album you could put on and still like jam to and have fun, like get you bucked up. It starts off with with the, the badass, like uh, funky. It's like, and I, it, it's the power of equality, it's the song, but the way, uh, you know, the production and Rick Rubin, and, and Brendan O'Brien started it off was um, they, they basically just recorded the uh, Chad Smith playing playing drums in, in an empty room and uh, and I'm pretty sure they put some oh you know I think it was maybe the bleed through of uh of chad's drums and they started out with that i wish i could find it to give you an example but so it was an all like right right out the gate it started off with uh with that song the power of equality which is bucked up and funky then it went into if you have to ask followed by uh breaking the girl which is a beautiful i mean if you hear just the chord progression of breaking the girl by itself it's like holy shit. It's it, it it may be better in my opinion than when they actually put lyrics to it. Like, but you know that's just me. Followed by Funky Monks, which is a funky ass song, uh, basically built on the blues. Then Suck My Kiss, which I think maybe was they had four singles. Okay, let's see. Let me look at, let's see if I can find the singles. Um, I mean, I know for sure it was Under the Bridge, Give It Away, it was uh, Suck My Kiss, it was Breaking the Girl. Okay, they went uh, Give It Away, released September 4th, 1991, Under the Bridge, which is kind of the one these two back-to-back caught the whole world. Um, Under the Bridge, released March 10th, 1992, Suck My Kiss, uh, Suck My Kiss, released May 1st. 1992 breaking the girl released july 30th 1992 if you have to ask released in 93 so uh that's a lot of uh singles for the music world back then but it was it was a huge album and um it was just it was a masterpiece you know it was the whole story it's cool you know they all lived in this haunted mansion and uh I mean, John Frusciante says with with a straight face, and I believe him that you know, like he would talk to ghosts every night, and 
They would give him an idea of what to write, and he would hear ghosts in the playback of the speakers. And like he would tell Flea, "Oh my God! Like you know, do you hear like what the what the ghost is telling him?" And Flea would be like, "Only you, only you can hear it. Like we we can't hear it." But so they lived there. Chad rode in on on like motorbike every day because from his real house he lived like twenty minutes away or whatever. But uh, let's read the uh, let's see music. And I don't know. This is what Wikipedia says. I tend to do this show just based on my own opinions and stuff. And uh, it's it's a classic album. And I give it once again a four point five out of five. And um, I've been rating every album so far. The next one I'm gonna do is Stadium Arcadium. And uh, but in between those, I mean, I consider the Red Hot Chili Peppers thing a, a series kind of uh, on its own. But I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna release the uh, well, I'm gonna record the album where I uh, I listen to the new Nerd album and uh, NERD stands for No One Ever Really Dies. And, you know, I was into Nerd way back when I was in high school. I think I bought their first album. And Nerd is uh, Pharrell Williams. It's basically the Neptunes. So Pharrell Williams, that Asian dude, that was the other half of the Neptunes. And one of their mutual friends who, I don't know if he has any skill at all. He probably, like, yells some shit. What I, they just like him or whatever. But so... The you know anything that Pharrell does is is noteworthy for sure, and that came out uh, December fifteenth as well as uh, as the new Eminem record, and I'm gonna be doing all of those. But this is a series in itself, and um, yeah. So I don't know. It's my little podcast. You can uh, subscribe on any podcast network that you uh, that you listen to podcasts on. Apple has a built-in one, then that's what I use, um, or Podcast Addict, or whatever Android has, but if you search for Matt Garrow's music experience, you'll get all the episodes that I've done so far, as well as all of the Garrowcast episodes, which there's like 27 of those, that's the podcast that I do with my family, it's kind of a separate thing, but we haven't done it in a minute but i'm sure we will bring it back this christmas when everybody's together and uh just yeah type in uh garacast and uh facebook.com garacast and uh facebook.com matt garra music um i basically have a bunch of different names for a bunch of shit that i'm doing i should just make it one thing somehow but uh but whatever. Apache Rosecock, I want to say, is a song about New Orleans. And it's uh it's just beautiful and, and the the it's it's directly influenced by the funky meters. And it's a simple funk progression. That's amazing. Amazing album. Um everybody listens to, uh, listen to it if you can. Buy the record and put that shit on a record player and listen to it. And like really man, I hope that one one day, like I, I think this is how I would want it to go down in my house. Like, say you know, whatever. I, I say, let's say I get married to someone or I have a serious girlfriend. Like, 
just get a record player, listen to an album. I mean, obviously she's gonna have to have an appreciation for music and uh, and let's just make that a thing. I guess like how people watch movies maybe, but I don't even know. I don't even like watch movies with people because they, they, I feel like they distract. People say stupid shit at a different time. And maybe that's just me being an asshole. But I think that would be a good activity to do with your uh, your loved one. Is You guys each plug, uh, plug in a pair of headphones and listen to albums that were recorded on vinyl. And... Uh, listen to what's going on because there's a lot of techniques that you would probably never hear about were it not for you know geeky kind of nerd music nerds that that pay attention to that type of stuff and i happen to be one of them but you know one one of the things you'll notice is some things are recorded in mono so it'll sound like it's it's right and like you know the, some of the Beatles stuff sounds like it was recorded right in your living room in front of you because sometimes that's what mono does but other stuff you know <clears throat> excuse me through the uh, headphones you'll hear panning and all panning is 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 moving the sound from the left speaker to the right when you're recording in stereo and vice versa so you, you play with that and you know Pink Floyd Basically, you know, we're we're huge on that. Anything with lush soundscapes and textures, you know, you, you it definitely is going to have some panning in it. It creates a cool psychological effect in your head. But anyway, um, thank you for subscribing to this if you do so. And that's basically what I am doing. So thank you for listening to this and uh you could subscribe on your favorite podcast app at matt guerra's music experience facebook.com backslash matt guerra music thank you everybody good night (laughs) 